Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown, where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. Tall tales. True stories. And current goings on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in summer. Welcome to episode 139 of the Brown County Hour. This is Dave Seastrom. And Sarah Lytle, along with the rest of the crew. This month, we have two musical guests who were recently featured in the Brown County Fingerstyle Guitar Festival that took place in July, Christy Lenny and Bryce Mullins. We'll listen to their interviews, and we'll share two musical selections from Christy and one selection from Bryce. Rob Basosa gives us some information about the upcoming Back Road Studio Tour. Sally Ann Murphy talks about Harmony School's reaction to book banning. And we have an artist interview with Tom Preston. We'll also share essays from Jim Eagleman and Dave Seastrom. We begin the first segment with a conversation we had with award-winning guitarist and composer Christy Lenny. Local woodworker Rob Basosa shares some information about the Backroads Studio Tour, and we close with Christy Lenny's tune, Coming Alive. It is my pleasure to introduce Christy Linnae, who is a monster guitar player, general musician, singer, songwriter, performer, and producer of music that's beautiful as well. So it is very much my pleasure to say hi to you, Christy, and welcome aboard. I would love to hear some of your origin story. Well, thank you for all of those kind comments, Dave. I really appreciate that. My origin story, when I was four years old, my sister was in a performance group called the Entertainment Review, which is a song and dance ensemble in Tampa. And I used to go to all the rehearsals and and watch them um, sing and dance. So I asked to audition for the group at the age of four. And it was a miracle that they let me in because there was nobody that young. I think the youngest was seven. Um, and it, it was my introduction to the entertainment industry. So we did state fairs and commercials and different kinds of performances, um, very theatrical type of thing, costumes. And um, so that was my introduction to entertainment, which is really a, a wonderful foundation for what I do now. I started to sing and play the piano, but I, I really just love to be on stage and perform. And it wasn't until age 11 that I started playing guitar, which was inspired by a lot of rock and roll, like Pink Floyd, Jimi Hendrix, that kind of stuff, and um, really good electric playing. 
And then about a year into that of just studying by ear, I got inspired to study classical guitar. And that pretty much took over my life for the next three years. And I did that like all day, every day. Um, and then joined the jazz band in my junior year of high school. That was a, it was a performing arts high school. And um, somewhere into the senior year, it kind of all hit this one place. And that was at a Dave Matthews concert. I, I saw him on stage and he just looked like he was so happy. And I felt like he, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to create music that would bring this many people together. And he, I could see so much appreciation in his face. And when I saw that, he looked right at me. I was right there in the front row and it hit me so hard. I was like, oh my God, I have to write songs. And it was in that moment where it was like everything that I'd ever done in my life, singing, dancing around on stage, acting, um, playing guitar, playing piano, singing, poetry, all of it kind of just became one thing in that moment. And I, I, didn't, I haven't ever turned back. So between the, the singer songwriter and the instrumental music, which has kind of a root of classical meets jazz, rock, funk, pop, it's just been a really a wonderful journey. That's the very short version of the story. So, so age four, you became a performer. My first Have solo you... was um, "All My Exes Live in Texas." <laughs> well, uh, at, at an age when most of us are trying to conquer Play-Doh, um, you're actually out in front of an audience and finding your heart and all of this, and that's pretty remarkable. From there, um, it looks to me like you've won just about every possible award a guitar player could ever hope for, uh, which is just in itself remarkable. Uh, always nice to be recognized by your peers. More important than that, I think, uh, it's clear that your music has evolved beyond, I can't put you in a genre that all the music you've heard in your life has morphed into the music that you are making now and it's become your own music. I think that's wonderful. I mean, you know, it's interesting because uh, a lot of my older records are a lot more eclectic <laughs> than than they are now. I've definitely tried to kind of zone in on like that place in the middle of it all because I do have a lot of interests in terms of style. Um, but there's still, in a sense, kind of two artistic identities going on that I'm, I've am i been trying to emerge into one. Um, but the, the artistic identity of a um, of an instrumentalist and composer. And if you if you search me on YouTube, that's all all of those instrumental videos or top videos. And in fact, I've got a new neighbor who just moved in. She said she looked me up on YouTube and she was like, hey, do you sing? And I was like, and it was just such an interesting question. I'm like, of course I sing. Like if you go to my website or my whole new record is all singer songwriter, but it depends on where you look because I could be perceived as a completely instrumental guitar player um, in the realm of, you know, Andy McKee, Tanya Emanuel, that whole finger style world. Um, but then, you know, others have compared me to like Melissa Etheridge and Joni Mitchell and um, just people that are, you know, playing like kind of rock um singer songwriter stuff so i i love what you're saying i think it's all just kind of um it's a mix of a lot of genres but th both of the instrumental and the singer songwriter music they do kind of have their own identity and on this last album coming alive um i tried to kind of infuse a lot of guitar with singer songwriter and find a place in the middle of it so it's been a fun journey well uh, fun is the right word um <laughs> 
fun to listen to, fun to watch. And um, I can tell you're having fun. And, yes. you know, there's something about that. I mean, when a performer actually loves what they're doing and that comes across, that's magic for the audience. And you've got that. Oh, thank you so much. Well, it is so much fun. I mean, it's it's kind of like when all those things are going on, I can jam with myself, which is fun because I like to jam. I'm, I mean, I, you know, my training in jazz and rock and roll, you know, it. I really like to jam, you know, and to improvise. And so with a loop station and a couple other things to kind of add in the mix, I feel like I can jam and still only get one hotel room. <laughs> so that, that brings me to a question that I had. Um, you know, I really loved watching that performance with Tommy Emmanuel on Landslide. And as I was listening and watching, I thought, I wonder how much structure is here and how much of this is improvised. The entire thing was improvised. Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, I kind of felt that, you know, that you guys were in a conversation, that this was a dynamic that was happening in the moment. Yeah, it was kind of a thing. I said, hey, do you, in backstage, do you want to do this version of Landslide with me tonight? And um, and he said, yeah, you know, and I was like, well, you know, I changed some of the chords and I told him what they were. And then just said, you know, I'll open it up for you to take a solo. And that was it. And we just kept going and it turned into a big jam. Like the one in Poland, Cleopatra's Eyes, that one, I think he'd only heard about 30 seconds of that song. And I showed it to him. I was like, hey, here's this thing that I've been performing. And we did that. And um, and it was wild. Absolutely fantastic. And that brings me around to the fact that you're going to be performing in Nashville at the Playhouse, which is a a place that you are familiar with. You've been there twice before as part of the fingerstyle guitar competition as both a judge and a headline performer. And you are uh, scheduled to perform on November 4th at the Brown County Playhouse. Bryce Mullins is going to open for you. And this is a real opportunity for not only people who are familiar with your work, but people who perhaps have not had the opportunity to experience what a wonderful performer you are. I know you have a website. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, sure. So the website is just my name, Christy Lene, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E-L-E-N-E-E, ChristyLene.com. And yeah, I have all my tour dates on there, but it also has a lot of music videos. Um, if you scroll down, there's lots of videos and content to watch, um, links to my new album, Coming Alive. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which is YouTube com slash Christy Lenae Music. Um, and of course, on all the social media sites, I'm uh, at Christy Lenae. So um, yeah, I'm always, you know, posting new different things and live performances. The website is a good place to kind of get everywhere. Well, Christy, thank you so much for doing this interview with us. You are as warm and genuine in the interview as you are as a performer. And that's always a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, Dave. Well, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me. And I hope everybody comes to the show on November 4th at the Brown County Playhouse.
This is Lucy Schultz. I'm here with Rob Basosa and Pam Rader, and we're going to talk about the Brown County Studio Tour. Hi. Welcome, Rob. Thanks for having me. I love the, the name, the Backroads Gallery Tour or Studio Tour, as you said. This is an October tour? Yeah, it runs the whole month of October. So it's one of the only art shows or art studio tours that runs for an entire month. So from October 1st all the way to the 31st. It's been going for quite a long time, this hasn't it? Yes, I'm sorry. This is actually our 25th no year, so quarter well, of a century. Yep. That's great. Yep. Yay. So... I've actually been on it several times. It's really fun. You drive yourself around with the map. Beautiful weather. Leaves are changing. Lots of things to see. And a variety of artists. It isn't just painting or woodworking. Correct. We have metal workers. Uh, We have painters, potters, um, glass, people who work in glass, um, fabrics, wool, Weavers, I mean, all different kinds of artists. Yep. So and it's we a ha- Wednesday through Saturday, right? That is correct. Okay. Yep. What are the times for that? 10 o'clock in the morning till 6 p.m. at night. Okay. So, Rob, how many artists are on the tour this year? So, this year there'll be 23 artists at 15 different locations. And so, some uh, studios will have uh, guest artists, like your mom is having a couple of guest artists. I will also have a guest artist. I have a young guy who's a first year. He's a painter. Um, Yeah, so some artists double up at locations. So again, there's 23 different artists and 15 different stops or locations. One of the comments we get a lot is October is so busy downtown that people love to be able to come to Brown County and do something outside of town. And so we point them to some restaurants that are more on the outskirts. The Farmhouse Cafe is a popular one. Johnny's Grub to Go. Then we send them up to Brownies in um, Bean Blossom and just help people. You can go here. You can go to these three studios, and then you can get lunch here and then continue to these three studios. And people love – we got a lot of people from Cincinnati, a lot of people from Cincinnati, Louisville, Indianapolis – um, that come, they want to be part of Brown County in October, but they the town's too busy, and they love to see artists working in their studios and uh, getting those handmade items. And a lot of people do Christmas shopping. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, I heard you have a actual gallery on this tour. I do. You do. Uh, for the last four years, my family and I have a custom woodworking shop. Wonderful. Yep. And you are the artist. Yes, and my son, I get a lot of help from my sons. Wonderful, yep. wonderful. My parents, my mom's going to be on the tour for the first time, Teresa yep. Schultz, Terry, and she has uh, two artists that are going to be also at her gallery. It's the Brown County Art Farm. Um, Jeff Hagen and um, Pamela Keish are also going to be showing their work. Um, and so I am linked to this in a weird way because I am helping get everything ready. There you go. Yes. So if someone hears of this and they want to pick up a map, I guess they can go to the visitor center Yeah. or the art gallery. So most of the art galleries in Nashville carry our uh, brochures. And of course they are at the Brown County uh, Visitor Center. Most Mm -hmm. of the shops in town also have them. And you can also just go to bcstudiotour.com and you can download a virtual map there. 
And then on most of our, like on our brochures and some of our posters around town, we have a little QR code. And so you can actually shoot the QR code with your phone and it'll bring up a site called Pocket Sites. And it'll tell you how close you are to the nearest studio, what that studio actually has, um, what the other studios that are closest to you, where they're located, who their artists are. It'll have a bio. So yeah, lots of options in order to um, find out who's located where. Yeah, Boy, so. that's advanced since I did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yep. Thank you so much, Rob, for coming in today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Taking 
we pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on volunteer-powered community radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at wfhb.org. Support for WFHB comes from Our Brown County, a magazine for locals and visitors featuring art, entertainment, and county characters since 1995. Printed six times a year and available online. More at OurBrownCounty.com. Sally Ann Murphy begins segment two with a discussion about how Harmony School in Bloomington reacts to book banning. We have a conversation with local artist Dom Preston, and we'll listen to Christy Linney's tune, Daylight Comes. It's my pleasure to introduce Sally Ann Murphy, and she is here to talk about her teaching position at Harmony School and banned books, which is a hot topic right now. Right. We don't recognize such a thing. At well, Harmony. of course not. But, uh, <laughs> so you were you were cluing me in at uh, you have specific programs to deal with uh, some of the banned books. Would you like to talk about that? Well, last year it was our first year back. You know, from our first real year back yeah. from COVID, and uh, we wanted to do a community event, but we didn't want to. It was still too early to do a massive, big public community right. event. So we wanted to do something within the school. And um, the uh, the banning of mouse in Tennessee had just happened. Okay. And uh, so I, I had this idea that we could have a banned book month um, ending in a banned book festival. And so what happened was each class group, as you know, Harmony goes from kindergarten through 12th grade. Right. And so each class group picked a banned book. And you may... You may not realize, but that includes things like, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird and all kinds of silly, right, you know, right. amazing Twain, things like that. Right. Yes. Um, and so each class picked a banned book, which they focused on for the month. And at the end of that, we had a, fe- a festival where they presented like an exhibit or an activity or a thing, right, where everybody else got to see what they'd been doing. Wow. And we really enjoyed it. So we're going to do it again this year. Well, I, I, lo- <laughs> I love the concept because... It explores the whole notion of uh, quality literature being banned for political reasons, and the kids get an opportunity to decide for themselves whether the literature itself has merit. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. And then one of the activities at the end, which I really enjoyed, was um, we had a big kind of board with all the reasons that books were banned, some made up, some okay. real. Okay. And they had to guess which ones were the real ones. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. That is so hilarious. Um how how did the program go? Was it well received with the parents and the students? Yes, I mean it's super popular with the students. Um, no pushback from the parents, so I'm assuming that that was fine. Okay. You know? Well, so I don't know how your kids reacted, but uh, as a kid, I tended to really gravitate towards things that I was forbidden to experience. Mm-hmm. And um, did that increase their interest in these books? Yes, I mean, I think the very title, <laughs> Banned. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And we made um, these really beautiful wanted posters, you know, 19th oh, century style. Oh, I love it. With different titles on each one. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, good work. What can I say? And it's, it's wonderful to know that 
ideas will never perish as long as people like you and schools like Harmony exist. Well, thank you, David. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing this. You're welcome. This is Chuck Wills for the Brown County Hour, and I'm in the studio tonight with a man that needs almost no introduction. He's known to many in December as Santa Claus. He's known throughout the summer as the train conductor and to many as an accomplished photographer. Let me introduce Tom Preston. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Tom. It's great to have you in the studio today. It's always great to be here. You know, a lot of us, whether on Facebook or Instagram, have been fans of your photography for a very long time. Uh, How did you get involved in photography to begin with? You know, it started really young in life. Uh, I had a million hobbies, and this one stuck. Um, my, My dad's best friend was a photographer and was actually the photographer for the Indianapolis Police Department for a long time, set up their entire lab and so forth. And by following him around, it just kind of, I wanted to do it. You know, I watched what he could do. I watched as he developed these black and white prints, and I could actually watch watch that image appear on that blank piece of paper. Yeah, like magic. To me, it was magic, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So your interest goes all the way back to the days of film. Oh, yes. Pre-digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you get your start with black and white? I did, I did. In fact... Uh, my dad's best friend, Joe, uh, bought me, through dad, a complete darkroom set. And it was a, a used setup from, that somebody else had had and was getting ready to get rid of. And he salvaged it, and we set it up in the house. And so, yeah, in middle school, I had a darkroom in my house. A, a functioning darkroom and knew how to use it. Yeah, it was fun. It was That's cool. incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people say that black and white is maybe the, the truest form of, of the medium or the art form. It, it, to me, it, it expresses the art more completely. While I love my color photography and I do quite a bit of it, you, you can't hide in black and white. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, a, a, a beautiful sunset doesn't necessarily have to be composed perfectly to look beautiful because of the colors. Mm. Composition becomes a lot more important in black and white when you're just dealing with with just different shades of the same color. Yeah, it's all just light and shadows, right, isn't it? Right. Something that I became enamored with is manipulating time in a photograph. Uh, if you've noticed my, my stuff, I do a lot of long exposure photography, waterfalls and so forth. And it gives you a different perspective of the passage of time. And it captures it in different ways. For instance, a, a star trail photo where, you know, I had the, the, the path of the stars and the circle uh, that takes place over many hours. Uh, and, and you follow that up with the high-speed water photography stuff that I did that's, oh, yeah. you know, the, with the, the, the flash duration is the 32,000th of a second. You know, so I'm I'm absolutely freezing time there, which is exactly the opposite. So it was always a challenge for me to see things in that perspective. Well, Tom, it sounds like you're really turning your camera into a time machine. <laughs> exactly. When you and I first met, you were doing a lot of landscape work. It seems like your photographic subjects have changed a little bit. Less landscape, more people, more musicians. Yeah, it's kind of just morphed naturally that way. I, yeah, 
as you know, I'm a, a, a music fan. I love our music yeah. scene here in, in Brown County. And so it just became a almost a marriage of, of my two passions, I guess you'd say. Uh, with my health, you know, I've had various heart issues, as a lot of folks know. So I can't get out. You know, I can't hike down to the to the waterfalls these days, and I can't do a lot of the things that I used to be able to do. So it's just a new way to express myself. Sure, sure. Well, it seems like you've got a great relationship with the Playhouse. Yeah, it, that's been a, that's been a blessing for sure. Yeah, um, and it, it's a good fit. That what a, a great group of folks. There's all kinds of talent coming through there. It it lets me pursue my art right here, you know. Yeah, and it's just been a great thing. Well, in the shots that you get of those musicians, actors, comedians, everybody that comes across the stage, um, the shots seem to really capture the essence of not just their performance, but you know who they are as an artist. That that is a goal, um, yeah. you know, and and I think my love of music helps that because I kind of I I feel more I think than someone who's just taking pictures of somebody on the stage. Well, speaking of being on stage, your art is not just bound by the lens. <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, during COVID, you started uh, participating in a lot of the radio plays yes. at the Playhouse. And since then, you have, shall we say, graduated to uh, being a cast member in the theater productions. Yeah, and that happened completely by accident. <laughs> the uh, the the radio things were one thing. You know, I was reading a script and sitting in a chair, and I wasn't actually acting. I was just voice acting. Yeah, um, which I could, I felt I could do okay. Um, after COVID, our first fully mounted stage production was Neil Simon's Barefoot in the Park. Right, and uh, Susan Rarden, uh directed that. And they needed a telephone repairman. I didn't even audition. I didn't. I saw the auditions. I didn't audition. Um, and I got a phone call and uh, had to meet, met with, with Danya at the Playhouse, who had the, the female lead role. And she said, you're going to be the telephone repair guy in Barefoot in the Park. I'm like, Danya, I've never acted on stage in my life. And she was headed into a meeting. She didn't really have a lot of time to talk. And she turned to me and she said, Tom, are you comfortable talking to me? And I said, well, yeah. She said, are you comfortable talking to me in front of people? I said, well, yeah. She said, okay, you're the telephone repairman. Rehearsal start Monday. Here's your script. <laughs> <laughs> well, what an introduction to the yeah, craft. Exactly, yeah, exactly. That's great. That's great. Well, and since then, you've been in a number of different shows. Yeah, yeah, it's really been a blessing. I've had, I've had, uh, you know, small parts in a lot of the shows, and I've, I'm really, really honored that they keep including me. Absolutely. Well, I remember specifically you had a great role in the Christmas show last Christmas season. The Ghost of Christmas Present. Yes. The Ghost of Christmas yes. Present. That yes. was fantastic. And what a production that was. Oh, my gosh. It was that that, that, that Danya set all kinds of records for the Playhouse with that, and it was that just she a did. phenomenal show. That she did. And then recently you were in on Golden Pond. Indeed, yes. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. that was kind of a, a tearjerker for all of us, to oh, be honest. Yeah. 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 My, my biggest role was in Over the River and Through the Woods. I played an Italian grandfather, Nunzio. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. And... Uh, that was a that was a challenge, um, 
but it was the first time that I really got the bug. I really understood, mm -hmm. you know, why I stressed myself out so bad because the reward was unbelievable. You know, when you get, when yeah. you get your own laugh lines, when you get your own, mm -hmm. you know, your own reaction from the crowd, that's, that's heady stuff. It, it certainly feeds something inside of you, doesn't it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Something so that it, you, you didn't realize was there right, before. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as, as you know, watching musicians perform, I'm sure with you, it's it's mm -hmm. it's the same, right? When oh, when is. you get a big reaction from a crowd, it's got to be that glow. It's a high. It's a it's for for me, and maybe it's the same for you. It's the realization that in that moment, you're all having fun together. Yes, you're sharing. Yeah, the moment. yeah, 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 totally. Well, Tom, thank you so much for visiting with us today. Best of luck on your acting and photography endeavors. I know that we'll be able to see you on stage at the Playhouse. Tell us where we can see some of your photography. So right now, my photography, I post on Facebook, okay. and I have two Instagram accounts. I have okay. a color account and a black and white account. Okay. So we'll just look up Tom Preston on Facebook and Instagram yep. Yep. and see at the Playhouse. There you go. All right. Thank you, my friend. Great to be here, Chuck. Thanks.
Now we pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on volunteer-powered community radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at wfhb.org. Support for the Brown County Hour comes from listeners like you and the support of the Brown County Inn, a family-friendly getaway destination located in Nashville, Indiana, offering locally sourced food, drinks, and live entertainment with banquet space, indoor-outdoor pool, miniature golf, and more. Information and booking available at browncountyinn.com. Our final segment begins as we hear our interview with musician Bryce Mullins. Jim Eagleman gives us food for thought with his essay called, What's Missing? Dave Seastrom has a few thoughts about boating in Brown County, and we'll close the show with Bryce Mullins' tune, Cast Strength. This is Chuck Wills with the Brown County Hour, and we have with us fingerstyle guitarist Bryce Mullins. Welcome to the show, Bryce. Good morning, Chuck. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. You have an upcoming show at the Brown County Playhouse on November 4th, where you are performing with Christy Lenny. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. That's great. So it's going to be an evening of fingerstyle guitar music. A lot of our audience will know you because you have been a longtime performer with the Indiana State Fingerstyle Guitar Festival. Yeah, I think that this past year was my seventh year, I think, coming. So I haven't been to all 12, but I've been to a sizable amount of them. Yeah, that sounds about right. And a frequent visitor to the awards stage at the end of the show. And the audience always really enjoys your music. Uh, For those that haven't heard you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your music and the, the guitar style that you play? So I'm a fingerstyle guitarist, and for anyone who's not familiar with it, the main thing about that is you're picking the strings with your right hand fingers as opposed to using just a flat pick and maybe strumming chords. What I do, I don't I don't sing at all. I'm just an instrumentalist. It's like people like Chet Atkins and Jerry Reed and Tommy Emmanuel. They actually try and either arrange a song uh, instrumentally on just guitar. So you're trying to get accompaniment and chords and melody playing all at the same time. So basically all the instruments of the band coming out of your six strings. Right. You're trying to do that and see what is possible to bring out on one guitar. It's difficult to convey all that without words. So that's kind of the fun challenge of fingerstyle guitar. Sure. And uh, from seeing you play so many times, I, I can say that you are able to convey those emotions very well. Okay, thank you. Yeah, we love it. hearing you play. And I know we're going to feature one of your songs here coming up on the show. You're going to be playing with Christy Lenny at the Brown County Playhouse on November 4th. And for more information, folks can go to browncountyplayhouse.org. Now, this is not the first time you've played with Christy. Uh, You recently joined her on stage in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, So what was that like? 
That was awesome. Uh, so, and actually we met at the Indiana Fingerstyle Guitar Festival two years ago. And so it was great. I drove up to Columbus, uh, played a 20 minute opening set for her show. The, the show was sold out at uh, Natalie's Grand View in Columbus, Ohio. And I played my opening set. Then Christy came up and she played a ton of her new stuff. Her new album is very, uh, a lot more singer songwriter. So she still, still does finger picking, but uh, she's like kind of focusing on her songwriting as as a singer finding her voice in that way and the crowd was super pumped to see her and then at the end she called me up and we we had a nice jam session at the end which the crowd really enjoyed and i feel like it's like we've broken the ice with each other for sure now it, it would be just be that much better for everyone in november it's going to be guitar pyrotechnics yes and heaven yeah and yeah. Evan, exactly, exactly. Well, so uh, tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and your music. Sure, yeah. The easiest way is probably just to go to BryceMullinsGuitar.com. Um, but I'm on all the social media. I'm pretty active on uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's just Bryce Mullins Guitar. You can come check me out. But if you go to my website, BryceMullinsGuitar.com, it has all my links. And um, my music is streaming everywhere. So whatever you listen to music on, I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> Bryce Mullins Guitar. Very good. All right, Bryce, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Uh, we're going to play one of your songs, and then we'll look forward to seeing you at the Playhouse in November. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it, Chuck. Recently, I gave a talk at the Brown County Native Woodland Project's Nature Days Field Day, held at Camp Rancho Formosa here in the county. Several programs and talks gave the public a variety of topics on the environment with the highlighted main mission of the group, how to treat alien plants. My talk dealt with the use of media in addressing local conservation issues, and as normally the response when you get a lot of nature lovers together, conversations about change, each person's personal observations of nature, what issue is the most important always result. Common to several of the programs was the discussion afterwards that things in nature generally, as noticed by several in attendance, are changing. People remarked of a change in bird life, for example, numbers and types, that there just isn't the variety of calls or songs they used to hear in the summer and early fall. This translates to less birds at the feeder, also less birds in the woods, less nesting, etc. So what is happening? Why the change? Also, inquiries were voiced about the lack of insects normally observed through summer. Where were the hatches and huge numbers of June bugs and ants, grasshoppers, mosquitoes in big numbers, and beetles and butterflies? Evening moths aren't as prevalent as they used to be. Walking sticks, katydids, and the annual cicadas, not to be confused with the periodic cicada that appear every 13 to 17 years, things just aren't heard or observed as much. These local issues mirror worldwide concerns if you're some kind of an environmentalist, a nature lover of any kind, you normally are concerned about what is not only happening in your locale, but what, if any, trends are noticed in other countries throughout the world. It could get pretty depressing, as one friend of mine said, a doomsday report, if there ever was one, and what's being done to address these voids. We can all remember how things were different years ago. I recall driving back to campus in the summer of 72 with the windshield on my little English Ford Anglia just covered with smashed June bugs. They had just hatched and the air was thick. 
No help for my wipers or windshield washer fluid. It just made the smeared mess worse. I had to stop several times to clear off the glass with a rag. My friends joked there must not have been any other June bugs in the world, as they all appeared and were concentrated there on the road at my little school in that little town. A book Kay recently got for me is about moths. We heard an interview on the radio, and the author who studied moths as a gardener with academic training as an entomologist, and his growing awareness of their role as pollinators, his interest was less in ornamental plants, more to do with native vegetation that attracted moths, that appeared as moths do mostly at night. A black light helped him and his kids watch the moths as they visited each native plant in, the, in flower, and of course this led to more interest in the host plants that are important to feed moths. And in an earlier stage, the caterpillars. The plant brought in the caterpillar that later developed or pupated into the moth. It fertilized the flower of that plant, and it may have visited and fertilized other plants. The more ornamental plants he replaced with natives, the more moths appeared. His experience made him realize his gardening was a small effort, but large in result. His interest in native plants helped the dwindling number of insects in his area that he had hoped to help. In just a few years, he transformed his ornamental exotic landscaping into a native plant area that attracted native pollinators. Most of us are left with a thought, like this gardener, what can I do? Rallied to do something, even small efforts, like changing the plants I choose to grow, can help. This effort reminds me of the often heard phrase by humanitarian Margaret Mead, never underestimate the power of a small group of people to change the world. It is, in fact, the only thing that ever has. If every gardener, plant grower, wildflower lover, and native plant enthusiast planted only natives, this vegetative scheme available to native insects would be strengthened. These plants create homes, food, and egg-laying habitats for the insects that belong here. And in the grand scheme of things, they provide the food for many native birds that have evolved to feed on them. Hmm, seems like a double win to me. Brown County Native Woodland Project is to be commended for offering these field days for us locals to learn more about the plants that belong here and those that don't. And they don't stop there. They have work days scheduled throughout the year to remove alien plants. They call them weed wrangles. The last one was in mid-September. For more information about how you can join and help them and to learn more about native plants and to see their dedicated efforts to keep Brown County wild, native, and natural, plan now to join them. Their information is available at info at bcnwp.org. Pull them up, look at them, and see when their next event is. Thanks for wanting to help. This is Jim Eagleman for this segment of Nature Ramblings in the Brown County Hour. On the surface, Brown County and sailboats seem to be an unlikely mix. Even so, sailboats have been a lifelong passion for me. It started off simple enough with tiny sailing dinghies that I learned to sail when I was a little kid and advanced to just short of insanity when Becky and I kept a 32-foot sailboat in Florida for more than a decade. Learning to sail in landlocked Indiana is definitely challenging. But thanks to several generations of family history, in the early 70s, I joined the ranks of my ancestors and attended Culver Summer Naval School for two summers. 
Before we were allowed to take a boat out on our own, we had to learn the ins and outs of sailing. The nomenclature for the three-masted schooner, the O'Fowler, that is, the name of every part on the boat from stem to stern, and demonstrate the ability to tie more knots than any human being needs to know. After a lifetime of sailing, when I was in my 50s, I attended wooden boat school for a few summers in Maine. Somehow, this seemed like a natural extension of my occupation as a home builder. Building boats is a lot different than building houses, and over the course of four summers, I was privileged to build several boats in the classes they offer. One might argue that being a wooden boat builder in Indiana has questionable value, and I can't argue with that. But love has no boundaries, geographic or otherwise, and to illustrate that point, I have a mostly complete wooden sailboat that I've been building for an embarrassingly long time, languishing in my wood shop. Even though I've been trying to curb my boat habit by giving several of them away, I still have too many. So many that at one time, my neighbor Chris made the observation that I'm a New Age Kentuckian, because instead of cars on concrete blocks littering my yard, I have sailboats. Becky knew about my boat proclivities from the beginning, and she's been remarkably tolerant, up to a point. Two years ago, my friend, neighbor Mike, and I drove down to Nashville, Tennessee, where I met a boat builder, Ed Stewart, and I purchased a trimaran he built that was designed by one of my wooden boat school instructors, John Marples. We built a sister ship of this boat at Wooden Boat School, and I've been hankering for the opportunity to own one of these vessels ever since. We made the long drive without any issues, and a few weeks later, Mike, Leslie, and me launched Free Spirit on Lake Lemon. After we sailed the boat well into the fall, it was time to take her home. On the way back to the ranch, I hit a chuck hole on Possum Trot, and a leaf spring on the trailer broken too. Here I was, stranded in the middle of the road, and I managed to back the crippled trailer off to the side. As soon as I started working to remedy the situation, I discovered that I was kneeling in an enormous pile of dog manure, where neighbor Clyde lets his dogs relieve themselves. No matter what, the boat had to make it home and I cobbled up an emergency roadside repair by using a ratchet tie-down that allowed the trailer to limp back to the ranch. The trimaran has been sitting in my yard under a blue tarp for almost a year, and the time has come to move Free Spirit to her winter storage, but first the trailer has to be repaired. Boats are one thing, but messing with the suspension system of a boat trailer is another. The trailer in question is ancient, and it's been customized to accommodate the trimaran. It's also clearly under-suspended, and to make it right, an upgrade is called for. First, I tried finding the parts locally, and when that didn't work, I did what we all do, and I went Googling. Who knew there are so many pieces and parts to choose from, but I'm here to tell you the choices are endless. My guess is it's like a plumbing repair where you buy everything you think you need, and when you start the work, you find out that you're more than a few parts shy of a complete trailer. This is a story of love, foolishness, and what being a sailor in Indiana is all about. Somewhere in my mind, 
I picture sailing on a fresh breeze, with my hair blowing back in the wind and a big old satisfied smile on my face. And sometimes that's exactly what happens. And sometimes I'm on my knees, ankle deep in doo-doo, wondering what the hell was I thinking. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. I've got one more song for you. Um, This is the title track on my new album. It's called Cask Strength, and they're for sale at the back. Come Come say hi at the end of the concert, and give it up for the rest of these awesome musicians. Thanks for tuning in to episode 139 of the Brown County Hour. This show was recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. and any time online. Be sure to look for us on your favorite streaming services. The Brown County Hour is brought to you by a diverse group of folks who believe, now more than ever, The world is for everyone. This show was produced by Chuck Wills, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, Lucy Schultz, Sarah Lytle, Jim Lemon, and Dave Seastrom. We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. You have been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. 
celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County home.